Hi, and welcome to the Chief Executive Summit. We're excited to have you here today because we are talking with Dr. Carol Kaufman, who heads the Coaching Institute at Harvard and also is author of her latest book, Real-Time Leadership. We also have Wendy Clark, who is a former CEO at Densu International. She had over 45,000 employees reporting into her and had over $5 billion in revenue. And that is very much a real-time situation when you're doing it internationally with all the different products and services that Densu offers. So I'm excited today, and I'd, I'd like to throw a question out to each of you today about how do you become an agile, um, real-time leader in this crazy world, particularly when you're dealing with international markets? I'll tell you what um, we've been thinking about that is the most important thing, which is being able to create space under fire. You know, when you have got things being thrown at you, uh, contradictory demands, um, you know, COVID, war, supply chain, uh, all of the above, for you to be able to, Victor Frankl quote I love is, is um, between every stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our freedom. And the book is really about making that space bigger and bigger, but then what in, knowing what to do in that space. And um, I'd say Wendy and I have had a number of conversations where, in my opinion, she's been beautifully able to make space and make choices when under high, high pressure, high stakes. Great. Um, Wendy, can you can you share with us how do you actually accomplish that, that creating space in the, in the line of fire? Well, um, yeah, as, as Carol was answering, I was sort of yeah, reminiscing and thinking about things. And, you know, Carol listed, you know, supply chain and wars and these unexpected events that it, you can be the best, most thoughtful, most strategic planner and have great business plans, but they don't account for things like a pandemic and a war. Um, and something like the Great Resignation, that sort of jumped through my mind. That created an incredible need for us to be very agile in the moment and really pivot how we were recruiting and retaining people. To Carol's point on, on creating that gap in that moment, I do think it's something that you learn over time. I think it's something that you can get better at. Um, and I think it's about mindfulness, first of all, is being mindful that uh, as much as you might think you have the answer, perhaps it's not the best answer. Perhaps it's not the most thoughtful and holistic answer. So I think mindfulness is the first thing you kind of go through to say, okay, I, I need to stop. I need to make sure I'm listening. I need to be really conscious about how I want to act, react in this moment. And, and again, the book outlines a set of tools for you to, if you can grab hold of that gap, It'll take you through some very useful sort of frameworks and tools that allow you to then use that gap to your advantage. And not only your advantage, by the way, your organization's advantage, your client's advantage, the, you know, probably society's advantage if it's something around sustainability, for instance. So um, I think the, the, the gap and that pause is absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. So when you have some new news that's come across your, your way, like the great resignation, um, how do you go about responding to that? And how do you use the gap to develop that response? One of the things that's really important is practice. You know, Wendy was saying you get better at this. 
And one of the consultants in our book, because the book draws from business strategy, military strategy, every psychological theory you can throw a stick at, as well as pouring through years of, of our coaching. And one of the people we um, consulted with is a four-star general, which, by the way, I had no idea how cool that was. I thought, yeah, there's a bunch of them, right? <laughs> and my co-author, David Noble, goes, Carol, there was only one five-star general in the history of, of all time. But what this guy would say is it's all in the reps. Um, and so what you do is you work on these things in little moments, you know, just like every day sort of building these so that when you're in the big moments, you can act in alignment with your values. So I'd say the reps. The reps, okay. And and each of those reps is kind of like doing an exercise, it sounds like. Um, so you're 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 doing the exercise of trying to craft your response to be more well-rounded, broader, have a greater breadth to that response. Is that yeah. what I gather? Okay. So Wendy, do you want to think of an example? Because I know there's a bunch, but um, of something that um, came at you and you were able to create space and what is it that you said to yourself or did in order to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think probably coming from a service business, uh, perhaps the, the thing that jars you the most is when a client makes a decision that you weren't anticipating to probably the negative. The positive ones, you're glad to be agile in those moments. Um, <laughs> The negative surprises, obviously, the revenue impacting, the job impacting ones are tough. Um, and I think there's oftentimes, obviously, there's emotion with it because, you know, you're going to impact people's lives if there's layoffs. I mean, it gets it can get, you know, obviously, you know, deeply challenging. And I think in those moments to just be able to not have the reactionary you know, I'm going to start sending emails, I'm going to start making calls, I'm going to start getting people together. And just, again, be be mindful, consider what your options are, consider what you want the best possible outcome to be, even if it's a obviously a challenging situation, but there can always be more positive outcomes in that. Um, and then to kind of bring your team together, I'm, I, you know, Carol will tell you, I'm very relational. So I am always the lean with person. So we're, we're going to lean into something, we're going to do it together. But, but I need to know where I'm leading the team. I think your instinct a lot of times can be, let's just all jump in a room and just start to jam out a solution. And I think as a leader, that's actually not necessarily helpful to your team, because you haven't, you, you don't, you haven't decided where you want to lead. I'm, I'm always open to I might have decided it not it completely right. And I'm open to once the team comes together, we may, you know, ebb and flow on what that solution is. But I need to come into that room with my thoughts gathered, with the outcome and the solution that I see in the path forward, and then have the team build and, and you know, sort of help me shape that more. And that's, again, what that, that sort of gap is. So I would say, you know, many times, um, you know, when, when you get bad news or bad client news or revenue impacting news or job impacting news. Those are the types of situations that I think demand that you take a minute and take a breath and really thoughtfully shape what you think is the optimal you know, path forward and, and how you want to you know, proceed with an openness to others building to that you know, once you have identified the plan. But that's, of course, the responsibility of the CEO to start that. Right. So it sounds, Wendy, like you're developing a mutually beneficial goal and that will allow you to sell it to others and get their ideas through that process. Yeah, that one, of, one of 
Well, yes. One of my favorite uh, sayings that I, I get to work with a lot of creative people. And uh, one of the, the great sayings that I got from a creative person I worked with at Coke uh, was strong convictions lightly held. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I really always say to our teams, you're paid to have your convictions. You're paid to have your opinions. You're not paid to just be quiet and take orders. And I mean, that's not the role of, of leaders at all. But we can't have our heels so far on the ground and be so convicted around these things that, you know, we're unable to actually take the benefit of collective wisdom and collective thinking. But again, the, jo the leader's job is to take that, decide, get everyone lined up, and then to execute, right? You can't, you can't just operate in the gray. So it's fine to gather, but then you have to decide and you get everyone lined up and you go. Yeah. That's excellent. So one of the, um, there's a couple of things in here. One is, what is it that you're trying to take into account as a leader? And one of the things we talk about is being a three-dimensional leader. And that is, so Wendy mentioned being mindful. So that's sort of like open, not, not having preconceived judgments and, and looking at your opinions, not not having them, but being open, but to be mindfully alert, like an agile or able to switch your focus I think of a tennis player, you know, you're aware of what's going on around you, you're aware of your inner talk, and you're aware of how you need to interact both with your opponent and the arena. You know, there's a lot of things going on, and, and it comes down to three questions, which is, um, what do I need to do? You know, as Wendy's saying, you know, really set that vision, you know, when do I need to sort of get everyone aligned and move forward? So what is it that I need to do? Then who do I need to be? I mean, that's a that's a really big one. And then how do I need to relate? But who do you want to be is very powerful. And um, when I when I started thinking about that, I guess it was one New Year's, and you know, we all on New Year's go like, oh, when am I going to reform? And you know, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be more organized. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, ugh. I thought, no, I don't want to do that. I want to think, who do I want to be? And so I asked myself that um, in the beginning, I am not exaggerating, 80 times a day. By the way, it really helps with crankiness. Um, you know, I was like on vacation with someone who got perennially lost and, you know, we're carrying all our baggage and we're in a, in a medieval kind of place and I know she's going to get lost. No, 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 I know the way. And then, of course, there we are, cobblestones thing and we get lost, you know, and then we do another one and we get lost again. Okay, well, who do I want to be in that moment? Like, who do I want to be right now? You know, or I'm, I'm in front of the board. I want to become the CEO and I see that things are tanking. Who do I want to be right now? Like, who do I want to be? So that question, I think, is a great course correct and an incredible way to build reps. So Wendy, I see you nodding. Yeah. Well, because you and I, I'm reflecting on the moment, Carol, I benefited from Carol's coaching um, in the last year or so. And, you know, in, in a moment, one of the things she said to me was, who do your team need to, you to be? So you can even right. take that, who do I need to be? But like, who, in this moment, what do your team most need you to do in this moment? If, if it's about their futures and the, com and the strategy that you're trying to execute. So on behalf of those 45,000 people, what do they need you to be in this moment? And that, I think, especially perhaps for women who I think, you know, for, I'll speak for myself, but I can get emotional in the moment because I'm angry and that's how I let, you know, that that anger or that frustration come out. And, and trying to make sure that if you can separate yourself from it and it's like, oh, no, this isn't about Wendy. This is about 45,000 people that on behalf of them, I need to be heard 
I need to be understood. You know, I need to be, you know, you know, um, trusted, wanted, um, you know, to, to share an offer an opinion. Those, those were really important criteria. So, you know, that was, that was a saying that Carol had given me that just rang through my mind. A lot of times when I was frustrated, like take yourself out of it, make it less personal and make it if, if for someone relational, obviously the team's, you know, livelihood and welfare and their success is really important to me. So that gave me that. that then suddenly you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Now you're dealing with like Xena the warrior because now I'm really mad. <laughs> you know, you know now I'm now I feel you know like I'm you know on a mission here for my people. And that 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 was a really powerful thought. Now one of the um, things we talk about in the book. So it's got you know we follow this MOBE model, which we can talk about sometime. But one of the things we really look at is what is it that you need to do when you step into one of these big roles and you are the embodiment of 45,000 people. And one of the things I thought about is how do you step into entity identity? You have your own identity, but here you are an entity and your entity may need you to kind of lean in and really be aggressive or even really be enthusiastic or in an entity mode, it may need that mean that your your people need you to lean back and just go with the data and be very rational and you know contextualize things, or they may need to have you lean in with nurturance. And then the toughest one of all is at times your people need you to not lean at all, and just you know one the whole thing you're ready to jump on may just go right by you. You know, so that you can be action oriented if you if you need to, thoughtful if you need to, caring if you need to, and reflective if you need to. And that's an article that came out this month in uh, Harvard Business Review called "The Power of Options." And really, that's that's one thing. Like, can you make space so that, like Wendy, when when you're under the the heat, you can actually choose what to do. You know, do they need me to step into the anger? Do they need me to step into a pep talk? Do they need me to hear me think? You know, what is it that they need? And then go from individual identity to entity identity. I don't think I had to say this so much to Wendy, but as I say to some leaders is, you know, the secret nobody tells you, leadership sucks. You know, it's constantly sacrificing things you want to do for the good of the, the larger organization. I love that, Carol, that you that you have to be a different person to different groups. But the CEO has a lot of different um, groups that they need to to represent the shareholders, the employees, the the vendors, um, you know, even even community leaders. And and at the same time, they have to build trust with each of those groups. So if they're changing their leadership style and being agile, how do they establish that consistent trust um, with all those different groups? Hmm. In a nutshell, you can have a diamond, a ruby, an emerald, and sapphire, and they all have different facets. So, you know, Wendy, you know, is, is a diamond. So she can show up, lean in, lean back, lean with, et cetera. You know, who do I want to be? What do I need to do, et cetera, from the diamond, you know, being true to the core and who you are. Because authenticity, people mis- mistake that. It's like, well, if I'm authentic, like, can I just say what I want to say and do what I want to do? And that's like, well, no. But authentic means I've got this core of my values. And there's, you know, my style of authenticity, Wendy's style, your style. 
So I think you you match that. It's like whatever you are, you are, but there's many facets to who you are. And I think the more agile and mature leaders have more facets to who they are. Which I think is, again, learned over time. That's back to that reps thing, you know? I don't think, you know, you, Benita, was, were talking about the um, research you did and, you know, how, you know, the the power of learning and journey uh, is shaping for leaders. There's no, there's no question. I don't know about this notion of a natural born leader or not, but I know if I, whether I was or wasn't, I have become a better one over time, given those reps and given that experience. I, w- I was going to reflect a little bit on what Carol was saying last time, but I think back to that thought of being a better leader over time. One of the things I have learned without question is the not lean. Uh, and I think my, my younger self would be like, I'm in, I'm out, I'm with, but I'm doing something. Right. And that just that, that notion of going, you don't owe anything in this moment until you have gathered your thoughts and you've gone through again, grab that gap and think about it. And I think a younger leader just feels like they have to do something because that's what leadership is, right? You're you're just like, well, this is what we do. We take action. Um, And I think that non-response a lot of times, and you know, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, there there are going to be moments where people are are baiting you a little bit or goading you a little bit for a reaction. You know, I've seen that plenty of times. And the power of a non-reaction in a moment where people anticipate that you'll have a certain reaction is incredible. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. You know, you, your toes might be curling in your shoes and you might be having a lot of self-talk, as Carol says, but you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And then to the other point, I mean, I, used, I, I, I sort of said that E and CEO can stand for a lot of things. You know, if it's, you know, uh, my associates, it's, you know, chief expectation officer, right? They've got high expectations of me. If it's um, shareholders and investors, it's chief efficiency officer. They want maximum efficiencies out of the company and they, you know, want us to grow and and deliver a a good return. If it's uh, environmentalists, it might be, you know, the chief environmental officer, right? And you, you, you really have to be able to ebb and flow to all those constituencies and what they most want from you in that moment. And that requires this sort of agility of moving and shifting. But those constituencies are all connected. You know, and when, when before, before these jobs, I was at Coca-Cola, right? You know, someone might be drinking a Coke, but they also might be a shareholder and they also might be a member of a community organization that had, right? There are several constituencies rolled into one. So they may want the CEO to be any number of things. And you that's what this agility is about. And only by, I think, sort of being very reflective and using some of these tools to just have a mental checkoff, can you do that as well as you should? I totally love this E in the CEO. So the other one is the um, emo- chief emotional regulator officer. <laughs> How do you to do that? And one of the things that you were talking about is... Um, you know, as a younger CEO, and you've been a CEO three times, which is amazing. And um, people think they have to do, do, do. And one of the things that we've sort of found when we were sort of going back over what does it take to be a great leader, and particularly it's like, who do you need to be? And the research on um, what you emanate is very, very powerful. So you're the chief emanation officer, because people pick, pick it up. And you can either, you know, you can emanate good intent, even if you are giving tough news. And people pick it up in, um, 
I think it's actually technically 30 milliseconds. Um, your amygdala will pick up the intention of the other person. It takes your cerebral cortex another 50 milliseconds to, to catch up. So how do you how do you really be aware of that? And that's why I think sort of mindfulness is so important and making that space is so important because then you can step into your good intention rather than say the fear that's nagging at you or if you're being baited. I think um, you're, you, you haven't really been a true leader until you have survived assassination attempts, people baiting you in public, um, you know, bunches of that stuff. And for that, how do you maintain grace under that kind of pressure? And that's where I like, Carol, you talk about the uh, platinum rule as well as the golden rule, which was something I did not know before you and I spoke. So uh, that might be useful based on that sort of notion of grace in a moment. Mm-hmm. What, what is the platinum rule, Wendy? Oh, well, the plat- so we all know the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have done unto you. The platinum rule, as I learned from Carol, is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Right? Which not- may not be the same which may not be the same as what you think, right? And I think that's that's interesting that you kind of go, oh, hang on a minute. Now that's like, that's a next level Jenga here, right? We, you have to actually be so thoughtful and so mindful and so aware and perhaps so generous and giving. There could be something completely opposite that you would have done unto you, but you know, and you have thought through and you know listened enough to understand they actually want something different. Um, I think that's really higher order leadership. Yeah, I was thinking once... Everything to me is a metaphor. I over metaphorize. It was so hard to write a book. They like made me take out most of my metaphors. <laughs> and I love them. They're like my little pets. But um, what, what am I had to take out? But I can use it here because uh, my editor isn't going, Carol, don't do that. Which is uh, ask yourself, are my people uh, llamas or puppies? So if you are a puppy and you do a good job, you know, it's like the puppy wants to be patted. Now, llamas are so soft and fuzzy, surely they want to be patted, but no, they are the hugest introverts in the world. And if you, in fact, are trying to train a llama, what you do is when the llama does what you want, so let's say you guys are the llamas, and you do what I want, I do this. I pull away from you. And then that llama, it'll paw, it'll roll over, it just wants space from you. So you imagine an extrovert boss and a super introvert report what can happen, and then reverse it. So how do you, again, back to the agility, how do you like, you know, you know, Wendy, I think you and I are more similar that we go with action and caring, you know, and then thinking is there, but, you know, or, 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 as, or as my husband says when he goes, um, <clears throat> did I ask for help? Right. <laughs> so, so I have been trained on how to like hear a big problem and not try to solve it. And it just, you know, goes against the, fiber of your being, but even in your family, you are an entity. Um, you have to do what's better for them. Right. That That is very insightful to understand what motivates other people and then to give them that as the reward. I love your example of the llama. I had no idea that's how you trained a llama. Thank you. And they spit on you, right? I mean, <laughs> it gets even worse <laughs> with the llama. I thought we were going to go that far with like, you know, you touch them and they spit on you so that you really do get worn. <laughs> I call them the great false advertisers. They look so soft and they look so wonderful. Like, you know, pet me at your peril. (laughs) 
well, at least then you can reward them with what they want by turning away from them. Now we know. Platinum rule. And it's really interesting when you're running a team and you got a bunch of llamas, you got a bunch of puppies, you got some cats in there. Every now and then you get a, you know, a reptile. Um, <laughs> so, and it's like, they, you know, it's like how to kind of read them and, and respond. Because the whole point of the book is how do you uh, respond in the moment? How do you make that space for yourself? And it's so, it's so hard. And when you can do it though, particularly if it's a really tough situation, it just feels, it feels great. That's wonderful. Um, what about the fact that you need to, in the, in a crisis, you need to gather information, but you might not have the time to do it. Um, how do you go about facing that down and, and getting all the information you can without, but also taking action? Well, I think um, what you always do, um, I think, is make the best decision with the information that you have, allowing for new information to come in. And so that's where I kind of go to strong convictions lightly held, because they mm -hmm. can always be in a crisis situation. And, I, you know, we, we had a, a a crisis situation uh, in my most recent role where we had um, people breaking our code of conduct, leaders breaking our code of conduct that we needed to act on immediately. Uh, but so you deal with that, but then guess what? Then that's gone down to some of the next layer and you're doing, and you feel, you know, and you, I mean, this is why I think the communications and transparency in, in these actions is very, very important. Certainly with younger generations now, what we would call younger, but you know, Gen Zs, millennials have an expectation, have a really clear understanding of what the company is doing, why you're doing what you're doing, and be provided a form to ask you and question you why you're deciding what you're doing. But in a case like that, where you've got something where you're taking action on something, which is absolutely the right thing to do, but you're not quite sure once you take that action, you know, you lift up the rock and there's going to be some more things to come. And I think you, you have to take decisions mm -hmm. with the you have allowing for more information to come and be very transparent about that. And, you know, I think in, in these moments where I, to Carol's earlier point on the war, I mean, we, we you know, we, we had to make very fast decisions on, we had teams in Russia, we had teams in Ukraine. What, what information do we have, but we know it's a moving situation and just putting in a process and a rhythm of meeting and making sure you've got the latest information. And with that, does a decision you've made change or does it stand and, how are you, you know, how are you continuing to formulate your plan in real time with agility? But again, thinking about, you know, what Carol has sort of constructed in the book now, giving yourself those moments, even within something that's so dynamic and so fluid, space to just appraise, think, may, maybe reset if you need to, and not being frenetic. I mean, I think the opposite to grasping the gap is sort of a frenetic energy and a frenetic decision making, which I don't think ends up being as thoughtful or likely probably as beneficial as it could be. So That's how did you respond to the to the news of the war? Well, I mean, the first thing you have is ultimately, you know, obviously a, a human question, right? Are our people safe, right? There's an order of, I, it, it has nothing to do with revenue or anything else. We have people 
And we need to make sure that those people are accounted for and that they're safe. And are we doing everything we can to help them be safe? So that was sort of our, our very first thought. And that, you know, we, we uh, established a, a post in, in Poland. Our Polish team were incredible. Uh, we helped uh, move people who wanted to, not every, as you know, the Ukraini Ukrainians are incredibly proud and many of them did not want to leave. They wanted to stay, but those who wanted to, we, we provided for the company, provided for passage and um, uh, shelter uh, in Warsaw. Uh, we ended up having almost 100 employees taking people into their homes at the time. It was incredible. Um, we created a crash in our office where people could bring their children um, and, and get onto a computer. We had a bank of computers that we would have some childcare so they could get a break, so they could try and find loved ones, family. So again, you're dealing with humanity first and foremost, right? And then after we felt like we had done what we could do and, and our people were as safe as they could be and where they need to be, and we had that sort of, then we went to the next level of, okay, now we've got to, you know, obviously, Think about our business. Um, what what does that look like? Or is there demand there anymore? What does demand look like? Obviously, with a with business, and we had partners in Russia that just that necessitated a different discussion. Uh, were we going to operate in Russia any longer, and what would that look like? And how these were longtime partners, so partners of twenty plus years. So we again had a very transparent conversation with those partners that our belief was it was probably good to go separate ways, but we had 1,200 employees in Russia. They weren't, they, they weren't responsible for the war. So we wanted to make sure those employees, even if we were separating our, our partnership, that they were provided for, that they would go on to have prosperity, that you know, they would be okay. So I think at every junction, but sort of it's very intersectional back to those sort of thoughts. You've got these different constituencies and we've got pressure from the media asking us what we're doing and why we're operating in Russia, but you've got 1,200 people whose lives, you, you're not just gonna cut them off Right. So those are all that's back to that sort of intersectionality of decision making. And again, making the best decision you can with the information you have and allowing for constant improvement or or addition of that information and then making the best decision as you go. Mm. And I think the other thing is, you know, we fill in the dots with our hopes and our fears, you know, and in this situation, I think what was so impressive is. Uh, Wendy and, and her teams really were driven by their values, you know, really like multiple values going on and being able to see things from different vantage points. Um, so the I'm going to do a little plug for the book for a moment and you'll see why is so I think that you remember something under pressure, you need an acronym. I have acronyms for everything, but it's like M-O-V-E. So M was to be mindfully alert and agile to what's outside, inside, and between people. Um, o is for the options generator. So there's reflexes of, you know, fight, flight, freeze, and befriend that turn into lean in, lean back, don't lean, lean with, and how to overcome your reflexes, which we do with these reps over time. But B is for vantage point, which is when you are looking at a situation, particularly through the fog, how can you do your best? And on one hand, you want to be clear, you know, do you need high def or grainy? How broad? How deep? But then are there things that distort your ability? You know, personality factors or biases. So I think of, let's, let's go back in time to the Olympics. So we're there in the Olympics 
and we're hearing about, you know, these crane is being surrounded by these soldiers. How many of us put it together? This is really going to happen. I did not put it together. Why? I filled on those dots with my hopes. My hopes were it's not going to happen. So I, like, you know, many was stunned. I thought like a, a little bit, like last time, you know, devastating in, in, in Kiev. Um, so it's just really important for us to keep being aware. And we do need to operate in massive ambiguity, but to be highly aware of where might I make an error? You know, will I tend to not see something or will I be one of my CEOs today? He's like, my favorite book is, oh, good. But it's called Only the Paranoid Survive, Carol. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a different take on things. But we all fill in. I think that's just so important for us as we're making these decisions to be aware. If I was going to make a mistake, what would it be? You know, over-optimism is responsible for 75% of all business failures. So it's like, oh, I better have a check and make a space if I'm going to be in this overly optimistic space. My guy, he tends to know he's paranoid and cranky. So if he's going to make a mistake, it's like out with, you know, off with their head. So he's learning to make that space and, and you know, sort of downshift and, and help remember things like, oh, well, actually, she did something really great last week. Maybe I shouldn't kill her. So, but how do we do that? Get the vantage point that can. Let's just be clear. That's why I really like your your assessment that they have to develop different options so that they can choose from them rather than just react. I think that's a fabulous um, comment. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have an assessment. Um, so by the way, if anyone's interested in finding out more about the book, you just Google real-time leadership and that'll take you to the book, but it won't take you to our... Um, our landing page where we have an assessment so you can sort of see where are you stronger and, and not stronger. So I'll tell you the name of the, the website. And the actual name is was too long. So the book, real-time leadership and then institute.com. Who's gonna, I mean, I got hired with that. So we shortened it RTL institute.com. And in there, there's you can buy the book, but there's an assessment that you can take and get a sense of, you know, sort of like. When it comes to M, your mindful alertness, like what, is that where you need to grow? Developing different options, is that where you need to grow? Getting really in charge of your vantage point, is that where you need to grow? And E is to engage and affect change, which Wendy actually keeps talking about, which is, are you sending out the right signals at the right strength to the right people? Then are you hearing the ping back, you know, like a dolphin with echolocation? You're hearing things and then do you iterate and then... How do you execute? So you can sort of look through those and kind of do a bit of a self-assessment on that. That's fantastic. Thank you, Carol. And thank you, Wendy. I I love the examples that you've offered and I love the framework that you offered, Carol. Uh, It's just really excellent for helping people manage in this crazy time that we're living in. So thanks very much, both of you, for being on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson, and please don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes every week.